On this episode of the Athletic Potential Podcast, we are going to be discussing one topic, and that is what our pitchers do to prepare to throw. Welcome to the Athletic Potential Podcast, your place to come and get answers to your athletic development questions. We cover a range of topics all related to helping you to achieve your athletic goals so that you can experience and enjoy the athletic career that you deserve. I am your host, Dr. Mike Matthews. Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of the Athletic Potential Podcast. Excited to have you back and uh, today we're actually going to deviate a little bit from our normal format. We typically talk about a case, uh, usually the last patient I treated prior to the recording of the episode, but today we're going to cover a question that I got from one of my clients and it's one that I feel like I get, this is a question I get very consistently. And I also see one that I think people dismiss the boat, specifically the youth athletes. Uh, and when I say youth, I'm talking probably 12 and up, or sorry, uh, not 12 and up, but essentially um, 14 and younger. That's probably a better way to put it. And this is something that I found that if we can improve this factor of this routine, we seem to deal with a lot less of the nagging injuries that seem to occur. And over the course of a season, we seem to keep athletes healthier as they um, throw more and go throughout their season. And so we're going to jump right into that. That's that's what we're going to cover today is just that single question. I think it'll cover most of the podcast episode. And, and I definitely would like to go more into detail on the specifics as I think it pertains to, again, every every player in regards to throwers. Now, that being said, this is going to be very specific to baseball players and or softball players. And anyone who's going to really going to be throwing, I think this is relevant too. Uh, so even if uh, you're not a baseball or softball player, you, you most likely, if you listen and, and go through the same routine, which we're going to cover here in a second, I think you'll find value. And I think you'll find that it will help improve your athletic performance uh, when you're out on the court or the field or any of those things. So, all right, so let's, let's get right into it. So uh, our question comes from John and John asks, how do you prefer your pitchers get ready to throw? And I rephrase this question and, and say, how do our pitchers get ready to throw? And it's a great question. And I can tell you being, um, I played baseball. I was a pitcher uh, all the way through college. And it seems like my, my routine seemed to change every year, depending on my coach and also how old I was and also kind of my level of motivation as well as I seem to do different things with less competitive teams or more competitive teams. And I find that if we can standardize this approach, because the way that the youth sports model seems to be going or is going currently is that we have players that are playing for multiple teams and each team does it a little differently. And I've, I've told this to our professional guys. Uh, I've told this to the collegiate players that are in here working with us. And I definitely have talked to the high school players uh, that work with us as well. I said, look, you need to develop a routine that works for you. And if you can do that, no matter where you go, who you're playing for, what situation you're in, it'll help basically get you ready to throw or to pitch 
uh, regardless of the situation. And that's kind of the point is that the, the routine needs to be built so that it, be, can, it can be reproduced anywhere, anytime, any place that you need it to be. And so, yeah, let's cover through the routine. So again, that John asked that question. So I can tell you right now that this is a very systematic approach for us. It's something that I, I feel like this has been studied. I feel like this has been talked about. I feel like there's a lot of players and uh, strength coaches and rehab specialists that have talked about this and, and we've kind of come together. And I say we, meaning just um, a lot of these uh experts and, and people in the field that have seemed to come together. If you look at programs and, and I've analyzed a lot of different programs, it seems like it comes down to essentially six different aspects. Now I'll be honest, this is what we use here at athletic potential. You could go somewhere else and it could be 10, it could be three, uh, realistic. But if you look at these different programs from wherever you're at, most of all of them are going to include these things. And so, and these are the things that we've found success with. So, Let's jump right into the first aspect or the first part of the routine that I feel like all of our players and all pitchers, throwers uh, should go through. And that is some form of soft tissue work. Now, typically in throwers, we're dealing with some soft tissue restrictions or some soft tissue that may be sore. Uh, when we say soft tissue, that can mean um, muscle, ligament, tendon, um, capsule, those type of things. So what we find is if athletes can spend a little bit of time finding those hot spots, finding those knots, whatever you want to call it, and spend some time on them and work on and making those areas better, it seems to add up in the long run. And that's a, that's a common theme you're going to come, uh, you're going to hear throughout this podcast episode. And that is these things are done not only to prepare someone to throw, but if you accumulate a lot of repetitions over the course of the entire season, you're going to be doing a lot of repetitions and those repetitions add up and usually add up in ways that will improve athletic performance. So first one, again, soft tissue work. This looks like foam rolling. This looks like lacrosse balling. This looks like Theraguns or um, the guns, that, you know, massage guns that you can use. This looks uh, a lot like massage. This looks, um, you, you see a lot of different things with this kind of thing. So but I, but I typically, I can tell you in here with athletic potential, uh, someone's usually using a foam roller and a lacrosse ball and foam roller. They hit everything really quickly just to kind of find the hot spots. And then once they find those spots, then they work with the lacrosse ball for a few minutes on that. And then they move on. Now, this is not a 45 minute soft tissue work preparation phase. This is quite literally a five to seven minute, find the stuff that needs the most attention. Cause again, we're getting ready to throw find the stuff that needs the most attention and address it and then move on. So first, first, uh, part of the routine, soft tissue work, some form of soft tissue work. Now, number two is mobility. At this point, we're going to start working on some selective mobility. I like to have all of our guys, uh, here that we work with go for the hips first. And I do it for two reasons. If we can teach someone to move their hips and get them moving, um, what we find is not only do we get them moving in the hips, but we also are getting their back and their spine to find neutral and to stay there. Now that sounds a bit confusing when you think of it this way, or when you, when you say it that way, but let me put it this way. So one of the exercises we use is what we call a quadruped rocking. You're on hands and knees and all you're trying to do is push your butt back to your heels. It looks like a squat 
but obviously you're on your hands and knees. The key with this is that you're getting maximum hip flexion with no lumbar spine or lower back movement at all. And again, you're teaching it two things. One, you're teaching the hips to be mobile into hip flexion and out of hip flexion, but in the absence of spinal movement. And I think that's a big deal. Uh, we'll also have guys target the, the adductors, the groin muscles. We'll target the hamstrings. We'll target the the ankle dorsiflexors or ankle dorsiflexion, I should say, will target quad, will target um, hip rotators, will target thoracic spine rotation. Um, these are kind of the, some of the common things that we'll have guys target. Maybe a little about backside posterior cuff or lat uh, mobility work as well, just trying to get things moving. And so that's the second thing we work on. This takes five to seven minutes to get done. So you can see we're upwards of, you know, anywhere from 10 to 14 minutes so far. So first thing, soft tissue. Second thing is mobility. The third thing we want to do, and, and I recommend all of our athletes do, is to do some form of activation. Activation is a simply simple way of saying, look, you, you just saw, did a bunch of soft tissue work. You just mobilized a bunch of stuff. Great. I need you to turn these muscles up. So we need to turn them on, selectively target specific muscle groups that for the individual athlete, we know maybe they don't do a very good job of activating, so we want to turn them on. The mandatories that we have all of our guys uh, do here, uh, all of our players, I should say, are glutes, anterior core, so we're talking obliques and rectus abdominis, and um, yeah, those. So those are the main ones that are mandatory. We have to have those turned on. It seems like if we don't have our athletes try to work, turn those on prior to uh, getting ready to go start throwing for the next phases. We seem to wish that we had. So uh, activation exercises at that point. Uh, that would be the, 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 third, the third aspect or the third part of the routine. So we have soft tissue, we have mobility, and we have activation. Now the fourth is a dynamic warm-up. Now dynamic warm-up, oh my gosh, uh, I've seen the uh, gamut on this. I've seen guys spend 30 minutes moving around uh, trying to get loose. I've seen guys basically jog to center field and back and that's it. So I can tell you this right now. Uh, we, we have a, a very specific routine that we use here at athletic potential, but I can tell you that it definitely go, becomes very individual per the client, especially when we talk about our pitchers, mainly because they know what they need. And if they don't, then we start them with the, with the general programming and have them work into it. We watch them, we give them some pointers and they go, you know what? I really like this movement. I'm going to do this too. We, we say, great. And, and they go and do it. And the idea behind the dynamic warm up is that we've got them moving with mobility. We got them activating uh, muscle groups. Now, but we're going to put them all together and teach them to move and sync everything together in very basic patterns, uh, squat, lunge, hinge, uh, those type of things getting it down and up off the ground. That's a dynamic warm-up. We also want to see the heart rate come up and general body temperature also come up at this time. Most of our dynamic warm-ups typically end in some form of running or sprinting and some form of agility work. Just again, get everything synced up and more at game speeds. So that's dynamic warm-up. Again, from the beginning, soft tissue work, five to seven minutes. We'll, we'll cover time here in a minute, but uh, soft tissue, five to seven minutes, mobility, five to seven minutes, activation, five to seven minutes. So at, at the longest right now, we're talking 21 minutes. That's, that's a decent chunk of time. Dynamic warm should take anywhere from five to seven minutes. We're now at just about a half hour. Okay. At the longest. Okay. Now 
the next one is where it, I think a lot of guys get, a lot of players get, either they do too much or they don't do enough. And I feel like there's a lot lost or gained in this fifth uh, part of the routine. And that is what we call arm specifics and uh, priming rotation. This is This looks like J-bands. This looks like arm care exercises. That, that's what this looks like. And I think something needs to be done specifically for our throwers for the posterior cuff. Something needs to be done for the forearm uh, musculature. Something needs to be done for the thoracic or the scapular muscles, the thoracic spine, the obliques, and the abs, but in more of a you know, throwing specific pattern. Uh, we teach a very specific routine. It usually involves uh, external rotation, involves some form of a row, involves uh, scapular retractors and protractors, and it typically involves some sort of, uh, some sort of oblique rotational um, exercise, in the, usually in our case, it's in the form of a med ball throw or some sort of quick uh, rotation um, movement. And where I see a lot of guys go wrong with this is they do too much. So they're doing three sets of J-bands. They do a ton of rotation work. The idea is you're just getting ready and you really are trying to reserve or keep in reserve your energy for when you actually need to go throw. And so if you're doing three sets of J-bands, unless it's on a really cold day and you're just having a hard time getting your body temperature up, which there are other ways to do that, I, I, I don't know if that's worth it. I don't see anybody ever do more than two sets. Most guys are doing one set of all the movements. And when I say all the movements, we're talking maybe six at the most. And um, by the way, this would also include uh, like plow ball throws, blister, that kind of thing. And when I say plow ball throws, I'm not talking like pivot drills and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, like reverse throws, uh, you know, follow through reverse throws. So it looks like you just threw and you throw the ball backwards. You throw the ball backwards um, into extension. You throw the ball at 90, 90, you throw the ball backwards. Uh, just trying to get the cuff muscles to, to fire up and get a little bit faster. Um, you know, ball drops and catches, those type of things that would fall underneath this arm specifics and rotation priming uh, fifth stage. The key here is you do just enough to get everything fired up and feeling like it's ready, but no more because we don't want to create exhaustion or fatigue at all at this point. You got to go out and throw and uh, we want to save all as much effort and energy as we possibly can for the throwing activity. Okay. So that's the fifth. So uh, that's arm specifics and uh, rotational priming. So it's from the top. Uh, soft tissue work, that's number one. Mobility, number two. Activation, number three. Uh, dynamic warm-up, number four. And then number five, arm specifics and rotational priming. That's number five. And then the last or the sixth step that, uh, that we typically employ here at Athletic Potential is what I like to call kinematic priming. You could just say, look, we're, we're getting very specific now. Everything's going to look like the way you throw, but we're not actually quite going to throw. And if we are going to throw, it's going to be throwing, you know, plyo balls just to, just to create the motion of throwing and get everything synced up before you go pick up the five ounce or whatever it is, uh, ball that you're going to throw and start throwing. And this gets really specific per athlete. Um, I'm a big believer in that the kinematic chain has to start and stop at certain points. I don't like isolation drills. Um, 
mainly because I don't think they prepare our body for what we, what we want it to do. Um, you know, I had somebody ask me the other day, is like, I really like it. It feels like it gets my arm in the right place. I said, look, if you're going to do it, that it's essentially under number five, that's the arm specifics and rotational priming. Like that's where I would do it. And then I would get into kinematic sequencing because when you look at throwing, regardless of the sport, whatever it is, it, this is a ground up exercise. You got to generate force from the ground up. And that's what allows you to throw successfully. I don't feel like going to do all these isolation drills and then trying to go out and throw is the way to do this. If you're going to do them, do them in number five, number six, you're starting to sync up the whole body, uh, and, and throwing things. Um, this looks like, you know, step behind med ball throws, but then shifting from med ball throws to plyo throws at submaximal efforts, getting the body ready to throw whatever it is you're doing. And then once you're done with that, you're ready to go. At that point, you're going to go out and you're going to do your, what we call normal warm up, right? That's like, that's your, your catch play, that type of thing. So these are all steps that take place before even we start catch play activities. Um, and then once you're in catch play, I mean, there's a whole nother routine, which probably is another podcast to be honest, but the way you play catch prior to you pitching or you throwing the jab or hitting a volleyball, uh, there's a, there's a whole sequence of routine there. The key, again, I think the key concept just to make it simple is that you're trying to gradually and progressively get the body ready to perform at the level that you're planning on for that day. And if it's a high intent day, you're planning on throwing very hard that day or very far. You want to, I want to see a nice progressive increase in intensity up to the point where you will be participating in that high intensity. So, um, but yeah, so, so six things uh, as a review, soft tissue, number one, mobility, number two, activation, number three, dynamic warmup, number four, arm specifics and rotational priming, number five, and then kinematic priming is number six. If you incorporate those six things, I think you'll be very happy with how well you feel like you're prepared to throw or prepared to go out and do the, you know, compete at the higher level. And I feel like if you do these things consistently over the course of the season, you'll see less uh, drop in your athletic performance. If anything, you may be able to maintain it, maybe even improve it depending on, you know, how you did coming into the season. Um, and these are factors that play into a lot of things. And I, I could tell you this, and um, this is anecdotal evidence is really, I, maybe there's some research out there, but I don't, if it exists, I haven't seen it or I haven't looked for it, but I can tell you this when I have players that come in that are injured and they complain of whatever it is, whatever injury, it doesn't matter really. Um, barring something like, Hey, I was sprinting around first base. And even that, that's true. That's uh, hamstring injuries. Like you look at those kind of things, but typically the injuries, when patients come in with injuries, I, you know, I take a history, ask them about, you know, how it happened. And then I usually then ask them like, well, tell me about your off season. Tell me about what is it you do prior to every game to prepare for the game. And I can tell you again, anecdotal evidence. Um, I can tell you right now, I, I'd be hard pressed to, to say that our athlete, that the athletes that become injured are doing very effective, high quality warmups. Now that's not being said. I've got plenty of athletes that do and it's just the circumstances they got injured that day because it was cold or other circumstances, or it's just a, you know, the long-term wear and tear of a season. But I can tell you right now, the guys that are consistent, that are more consistent, 
they we seem to see less injury from those from those clients and if they are injured it's something that's smaller and more easily treated and they get back out to the field faster so I mean, obviously, I think there's something to be said about a good warm-up or a good, a good preparation prior to you participating in athletic performance. It, it, this this is known now. Um, it, this is used across the spectrum in all sports, which is which is good. And I mean, I I don't think anybody would probably dispute the fact that a good warm-up or a good routine prior to a to competition is not effective. I think you can overdo it. But I, but I would definitely say that I think most people would agree that having a good pre-game, pre-practice routine is, is really instrumental and key to being successful in, in your particular sport or in athletics in general. So um, a couple things. Um, I'll, I'll go over, uh, again, just a quick summary towards the end. But one, one thing I want to address, we talked about what, who, these, who this is for. I can tell you this right now, my, the 10-year-old teams I, i'm not going out there and telling them to do all six of these i'm just not they're not they're not going to be engaged with it. it and maybe if they are good for them and maybe it's great to start the habit that that young but i try to keep the game a game and fun and you know those type of things and and so i usually i really decrease um the length of the warm-up prior uh, to their participation, specifically in like younger sports, uh, 10 through 12 doesn't seem to be as important. I really like my 13 year olds, the 13 year olds to start doing this just because I think habit makes a difference here. And then they start accumulating good repetitions. Uh, but 10 through 12, I let, I emphasize it less. I can tell you that I don't really have the 12 year olds, 10, 11, 12 year olds do soft tissue work as much. Um, the mobility is, I kind of give them one one mobility type routine or exercise to do. Um, activation usually is in the form of something that looks like dynamic warm-up. It's kind of a hybrid between activation exercises and dynamic warm-up. And then uh, arm specifics rotation and kinematic priming for those guys. We, I, I basically tell them, like, look, if you're going to go play catch, it's quality catch. Don't go out and just you know, play sloppy catch play, like make it worth it. I think that kind of more covers our kinematic priming and those things. So just know that the younger, the clients, um, the less I emphasize the routine, like making sure it's all of the aspects are done. I still think it's important. I think if they get into a habit, that'd be great, but keep it short, keep it um, fun, so to speak. Um, yeah. And then as they continue to get older and a little bit more older, and then obviously as they get more competitive and high school, especially college, especially obviously professional, these things need to be done. And, um, I think if you do them, you're going to see greater athletic success than you would if you did not. So a uh, brief thing on time. I kind of mentioned that most of our guys are spending around 30 minutes getting this all done. It takes 30 minutes. Uh, we've worked with our professional relief pitchers that don't have 30 minutes, right? But they're doing a ton of this stuff before the game, or maybe they're doing it. They know that they're probably not going in in the third and the fourth inning. So they may do some of this in the third and the fourth. There's a lot of nuance to that, but the key is that we educate those players on what needs to be done. And then they decide based on their individual needs, their individual roles with their teams, when they're going to do these things. And I can tell you, most of them do some form of this. So 
anyways, I hope that helps. So it's a great question by John and I hope it, I hope it helps everybody again, uh, quickly six, uh, parts of the routine that really are what we encourage all, all of our athletes here at athletic potential to do. And that is uh, number one, soft tissue, number two, mobility, number three, activation, number four, dynamic warm up, number five, number five, arm specifics and rotation and number six, some kinematic priming, and then let's go play. So I hope this helps. I hope this, um, brings a little bit of light and clarity and, and maybe some structure to some warmups. It's something that easily be, can be implemented with teams. Uh, we've done it countless times here and we've seen some really good success with it. So I hope this helps everybody. I appreciate everybody coming on and listening to the podcast. Please, uh, tell your friends and share the podcast yeah, I'd love to help out as many people as we possibly can. That's what the podcast is here for. And we appreciate you taking the time. And until next time, thanks. Hey everybody, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Athletic Potential Podcast. If you do have questions for the podcast, please visit the website, www.athletic-potential.com slash podcast. You'll find a button there to ask your question. Please input your information and your question, and we will answer any and all questions we get. We thank you again for listening. If you do get a chance, please rate and review the podcast. And until next time, thanks.